Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. It is a cold and rainy, I think it's Tuesday. Is today Tuesday? Yeah. In Versailles, Kentucky, I'm joined by an excellent panel, and uh, I don't think a very happy panel, Nick Roush in Louisville, uh, Jay Dorch in Louisville, and Andy Murray is in his car. He's from, he lives in northern Kentucky. I have no idea where, he, where he's at now. Nick, you and I got to uh, talk about the Vanderbilt game in length last night on the, on the mm-hmm. KSR football podcast. So I thought we would start off today and and let you, Nick, ask Andy and Jay some questions. That's a, uh, that's a great idea. Because, because yeah, for, for folks that don't know, Andy and Jay are, were team captains at Kentucky, many year starters, uh, excellent players, and, and just leaders on the team, and and bleed blue, right? I mean, they they support and they are as as big blue nation as you can get. And really, I thought we could get a pulse of what folks were thinking. And uh, Nick, fire away. Let's get let's get these guys going and see what they thought about the program and about Saturday's game against Vanderbilt. Well, uh, first and foremost, Andy, uh, I hope you got more pieces of gum to chew through uh, because it looks like your jaw is ready to just rip and tear through something. <laughs> How did you- I, I forgot I had it in there. I was so excited to be in my car and out of the office. <laughs> How does how does losing a football game to Vanderbilt make you feel inside? Warm and fuzzy? Uh, you know, hey, let's face it, we've all been there. We've all pulled the trigger on a on a bad ball game against Vanderbilt. Um, I'm just disappointed and I guess that it happened to a, this team with this much talent and so much to play for. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a rotten taste and uh I'm afraid we've we've taken some big steps backwards. Well, and the the thing is too is it wasn't just a, a like Andy points out you still had something to play for. It wasn't the season you wanted, but you were ranked in the top twenty five, and you lost to Vanderbilt. Andy, yeah, go, go go through the position when you say we've taken a step backwards. Are you talking about offense, defense, obviously special teams, or, or, or mainly on the offense? And, and if so, what does that look like for you, being a fullback? Well, what, what does that look me, like? I guess a, a step backwards, meaning, you know, I always felt like if you could you could bank on anything, you could bank on Stoops' teams being tough and playing hard. And from what I heard, I was not at the ball game. It was a miserable weather day. Um, I had a really good friend and former player that's totally disgusted, said at any given time, Kentucky had 25 or 30 kids on the seat warming benches wrapped up in jackets. Vanderbilt's guys had no jackets, no seat warming benches, and were on the edge of their field fighting tooth and nail to get their first win in three years. Now, you know, football is a tough game, man. Weather plays into it. That's 
I get that, but I think we've become complacent and, you know, everybody gets complacent at times. I've been complacent in my own business and I've, I've looked in the mirror and said, you know, I've turned things around when I feel like I'm getting behind or whatever, but complacency is evil. And I think we've become complacent. And when this team expects to throw their hats out and win, it's not good. We don't have that kind of talent. I mean, you know, you're talking about a team coming in here this weekend. That I, I laughed the other night in the Tennessee broadcast. They said, wow, this defense is playing great for losing five first-rounders. Okay, Kentucky doesn't hasn't had five first-rounders. I can't name five first-rounders. So when you get complacent in this league, you're going to get thumped, and I don't care if it's Vanderbilt or whoever. Jay, defensively, I thought Saturday was Kentucky's worst outing of the year. Uh, yes, Tennessee scored more points, but they started five drives inside of Kentucky territory. Um, yeah, you can look and say, yeah, the, the penalties and, and whatever in critical situations. But Vanderbilt drove 70 yards at, at times and to score and scored on a two-minute situation and, uh, you know, touchdown there with, what, less than a minute to go. Um, I didn't see also much fire and competitiveness from the defense, which is odd. And it's very uh, uncharacteristic of a Brad White unit. And I thought Kentucky got whipped on that side of the line of scrimmage too. Uh, what did you see on Saturday? I was there. I sat through the whole thing. Um, and to Andy's point, so my, my tickets are on the – I think I'm 33 rows up on the visitor side. So I'm right behind the Vanderbilt bench. And from the jump, those dudes were jumping around, chanting, yelling, screaming. Um, they were bringing it to us. And this team, for some reason, has been that way all year, Kentucky has. They, they really – I've not looked on the sideline and see when music's playing and jumping around, towels going and – and just getting fired up and then just pulling for the guys that are out there and, and just bringing the juice we always talk about. And so this team has just kind of been that way. And I don't know why, uh, Saturday, you know, it's tough to be without, without square and Jones out there. They're the leaders of the defense. Um, but that's no excuse. I mean, Trevin has played a lot of snaps. Uh, Derek Jackson's played a lot of snaps. They're, they're no longer, you know, rookies. Um, and I, I can't put, put a finger on whether it's just lack of leadership on the field, but, you know, we became super undisciplined on the defensive line. Uh, obviously for the last several years, we've been spooled to have one guy that demands being double team, whether it's Pascal or Bohanna or bully or whoever. Um, we don't have that anymore. And, but they got undisciplined in their rush lanes. Uh, they allowed right to get out. It, it's almost as if we didn't even prepare for, right to be the quarterback, which I know that's not the case. I know they knew that he was the one that was starting, um, but I can't tell if it's communication. I can't tell if it's just literally just undisciplined play, but, man, they were not the defense that we saw down in Florida or at Ole Miss, you know, or Mississippi State. You know, those are the three games that come to mind that I feel like Man, you, you look at that defense on those three games, it was impressive what they did. I mean, to hold Anthony Richardson to four yards, I think, or something like that. Um, but it was it was, it was was sad. I mean, watching him in the huddle, uh, watching him even after he made a big play, nobody was jumping around, high-fiving, 
you know, trying to pick each other up. It, it was uh, it was almost as if there was 11 guys out there and they were playing for themselves. And that was it. It was just sad to see. Nick, Adam said something similar to what Jay uh, mentioned last night on the KSR football podcast, that the defense almost looked unprepared. Um, going, going deeper on that and what you saw, uh, you know, we're, we'll, we'll, trust me, we'll get to the offense a lot, but what did you see from that defense other than giving up big plays in critical moments? And uh, like, like Jay said, getting out of rush lanes and, and not playing discipline or, or – or, or with that fire and drive that we normally see with a Brad White defensive unit? I, I, I think it, a lot of it came down to when, when you start the game with a big play, uh, second snap, you're forcing a fumble. I think guys got in the, all right, maybe I'm pad some stats kind of mode. Um, and then I think you also got one of those games where you you have to play discipline against his RPO kind of stuff, and it's easy to – get away from that when it's Vanderbilt, when it's, when the setting is what it was. Uh, so like, I, I think a lot of that is just mental letdowns. Um, and, and also having, you know, I know DJ and Trevin have played a lot of snaps, but that this kind of stress that they put on linebackers, they haven't had that before. Right. With all the fancy shining lures, like it's easy to bite on some of those fakes. So some of it is that style was going to put stress on inexperienced guys. Uh, but I think a lot of it was just, you know, mental, mental, mental letdowns, mental mistakes um, that you can do to the setting. And, and even though it w- wasn't great, they still were good enough to win. I mean, you you should be able to score more than twenty four points in a football game, and, and that's where, um, I mean, and they, and they forced two turnovers, right? Like they they gave the offense short fields to operate with, and the offense didn't take advantage. And and that's where I think most of this is going to come back to. <laughs> No, did the defense play well? They did not. Uh, but they forced turnovers. They gave the offense easy opportunities to score. And you give them the ball on the 30-yard line, two plays into the game, and they get zero yards. Score touch. I th- yeah, I think it goes back to the lack of complimentary football. <clears throat> you know, yeah. tur- you have a turnover. You expect the offense to, you know, punch one in here. Let's get this, like Jay said, let's get excited here. Get it going. <laughs> Excuse me, and get going and get a touchdown. And go out and gain zero yards in three plays. That that is deflating for the defense. And Jay, I'd ask you, uh, as bad as this offense has been, and it's we we dove into the numbers last night, and it's it's pretty bad. It's it's borderline worst in the Stoops era. Does that frustrate a defense? I mean, is that I mean, I'm not saying there is a divide in the locker room or anything like that, but does that form a, a you know, man, these guys are. Bad and they're not helping us at all. Does that does that come into play on Saturday and how Kentucky gave up twenty four points to, to Vanderbilt? Which, like Nick said, I totally agree. It should you should be able to win the football game if you just give up twenty four points and a couple turnovers. We're grading Brad White's defense on a curve here because it's been so good. But with the offense being so bad, does that come into play a little bit, Jay? You know we. We never saw that when we were playing, whether it was defense playing well or or not, or offense playing well or not. Um, I think without good leadership, it certainly can uh, play a factor, and I can't tell if it did or it didn't. Um, but I do I do look at the defense Saturday and almost see a defense that was playing not to make a mistake. 
um, that just don't give up the big play, you know, but don't don't go and make a play. And that's not typical of Brad White's players. Brad White's players typically they're going to make the play and they're disciplined and they're where they're supposed to be and all that stuff. But I, I, I it's hard to say because I wasn't on that side. I never saw if there's any conflict on the on the uh, bench with UK between those two units. Um, I would be super disappointed if it was. Now, I, I'm sure that there's times that, you know, Andy was frustrated with us as a defense if we gave up, you know, a big play after they had a long, long drive and then they're back on the field again or what have you. And, you know, but it just – with good leadership, there, that should never be the case. Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, it didn't bother me because the only thing I had to do was take a snap and hand the football off. So, I wasn't tired. I didn't care. But, yeah. Andy, this bottom, deep- bottom line, bottom line is – you got to play this game with your hair on fire. And if you're not playing football with your hair on fire, good things are not going to happen. You cannot just go out and go through the motion. You can, in this sport, I don't know if there's any sport you can go through the motion. I mean, these kids are not playing with any sense of urgency and they're not playing with their hair on fire. And we had guys that played with their hair on fire and they made plays. And it's the only way you're going to win in that league is to come and, exceed you know you hear the term empty your tank i mean if you're sitting at dinner after a football game and you're not cramping you didn't empty your tank these kids aren't emptying their tank and they're not playing with their hair on fire and I, and why hasn't stoops been able to get through to him he says it himself i you know i don't know is it this new generation of players i you know is it the whole recruiting problem well, i don't know what it is why you can't get excited for 12 saturdays out of the year when all you do is lift weights all year long for 12 Saturdays, that's that's your chance to shine and your chance to play and your chance to prove yourself. And we have laid how many eggs now? Multiple. And it's Saturday in the South, man. What else do you want? Where would you rather be? And that this team, it's it's irritating. <laughs> I, it's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I feel like there's there's something in the locker room. There's something between the coaching staff and the players and, and maybe we find out after the season or what have you that makes oh, okay that makes sense. I don't see it on the sideline. I don't see I don't see players bickering on the field or on the sideline. You know, but Saturday I could tell I mean Vandy was getting under our skin on defense. I mean Carrington Valentine was out of sorts, you know, and they were letting that John was going on and uh but there's something that's amiss with this with this team, with this program this year that I have no idea what the distraction is. Um, but it's not a typical Stoops team. I mean, the the penalties, the the shoot yourself in the foot constantly, and just the lack of energy. I mean, literally, just the lack of energy coming out of the locker room, guys playing with reckless abandon, knowing that man, I'm going to make some mistakes, but I'm also going to make some plays too. And and I, I just feel like, you know, Saturday for sure, it was like they just didn't want to make any mistakes. They were playing a please, let's just don't make any mistakes. You know, we should win this game. And that's just, boy, you can't do that. Nick, what's your take I mean, on that? Oh, you got it, Andy. Oh, go, go ahead, on. Andy. I, did, I mean, you can, you can watch Stoops, and I've said this for the last few weeks, and I've got my thoughts on some of that stuff, but – He's not engaged. I mean, you can see it in his face sometimes. He is not engaged. And I don't know if it's one of those things where, man, I made a huge mistake with this OC and 
he's swallowing that pill and he can't hardly get it down. And he can't say, I mean, well, I don't know what it is, but he is, he is not as engaged as he had. I mean, he was almost obnoxious in the past to the point where you're like, somebody settle him down and he got criticized for making bad decisions because he gets so wound up. He doesn't get wound up that much. I mean, I haven't seen him on a sideline. You know, he, he would just blow his top and, there's something going on. He's he's not engaged, and it, it's obvious to me where he's not, you know, blowing his top like he would. And everybody'd be like, "Man, that guy needs to settle down and coach." I mean, it, he's just it's 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 weird. It's it's obvious to me. He did do it one time. It was the the field goal where they had 12 men on the field and Josiah Hayes against Missouri. He was blowing his top off that time. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But um, I, there is a general sense of just disorganization among the the team like you know just the the operation right like you're not getting calls out of the huddle quickly enough uh to where will can do stuff at the line of scrimmage i thought that tightens up it it tightens up at times and then it kind of goes backwards then you're running up to the line to get things done the two-point plays right like you should know your two-point play like the back of your hand oh and they get a penalty to put you on the one chris you're the one who should be getting the ball, not Jatan McClain. Like there, there's some organizational things that have just been off, and I think that's reflected in the the lack of discipline out there, whether it be the penalties, the special teams mistakes, all that from the top down. It, it just it just feels a, felt a little off. One, one of the greatest men we all know, Coach C. What do you always say? Preparation leads to opportunity. There is no such thing as luck. We're not prepared for these football games, and that's disgusting to me. And stuff like that is ridiculous. We did that stuff every single day at the end of practice, and we put money on the line. You know, the the players were in the kicker's ears. We were in the offense's ears trying to run through our two-minute offense, run field goal, run punt. They come out, and they're not prepared. There's something going on. The preparation is missing. And you make too much money for that. In my yeah, opinion. yeah, we had a we had on on the uh, extra point or a field goal. Can't remember which, but I mean, he's out there counting. We're one short. I mean, that just that that should never happen. So Nick, Utah McLean ran the two point conversion attempt. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't. Uh, I, see, I, it happened so fast, I didn't catch that. Yeah, they ran. I, it was like an I formation just inside yeah. zone, and they had McLean in instead of Chris, and it was after it was after his long run. But yeah. they had already trotted somebody out there, and there was a penalty, and they didn't sub in Chris to do the handoff. And Rich got pressed on it after the game, and he uh, dodged it until he was like, he got a second question. He was like, "Yeah, I really don't don't know why Chris wasn't in there." So, yeah, I guess. Guys, it, hey, guys, guys, guys! It was cold. It was a bad weather day. It was cold. Yeah, we had to we had to worry about stuff like that. That's yeah, that's that that I didn't realize me. that. Yeah. Let's look at let's take a, a broad brush of this offense right now, averaging three hundred and thirty nine yards a game. That's last in the conference. Uh just about in the bottom end of the conference on every statistical category, other than third down conversions and I think Kentucky's ninth in the SEC at around forty percent. So uh offensively you had some flashes last week against Missouri, I thought, uh, with some explosive plays, and I thought Will Will did good there. And, and 
But, you know, you have an NFL quarterback that throws for 109 yards against a defense, a pass defense giving up 325 yards last in the, one of the worst pass defenses in the league. And you get sacked four times and uh, more tackles for loss. You get stuffed on two point, two two point conversions. And you go uh, at red zone inefficiency. You get, what, three drives inside the 30 and come out with six points in the first half. Just this offense has screamed uh, inconsistency and, and, and ineffectiveness, really. It took until the fifth drive to finally punch one, or the fifth appearance inside the thirty before they punch one in. Nick, um, if you could, we, if you we, could we were pinpoint in the press box. Uh, oh no, they've entered the danger zone. You don't want them here. And we, we were yeah. doing the same thing on third down with the defense, right? Like, yeah. Oh no, it's the most dangerous down. You don't want to get if you, them here. Nick, if you can pinpoint one thing about this offense and, and describe how come it's been so bad. You know, with, with an NFL quarterback, some say the number one pick in the draft, an all-timer at running back, dudes that can get open and, well, and, and you know, the receivers that started off hot, tight end room with Andy's clone, Josh Caddis, doing really good stuff. That dude had two pancakes in one play. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and we, we so went through it fun. last night. The offensive line, we hear offensive line, offensive line, and we broke it down by player yesterday or last night. And – you know, Kenneth Orsi's an all-ACC performer. He's out of position, but yeah, he was an all-ACC guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Eli Cox was a mid-year All-American playing center. Jagger Burton's a future pro with everything I hear. Tayshawn Manning had starts at Auburn. And then Jeremy Flax was the number one JUCO tackle in the country. And they've gotten worse and worse and worse. Nick, if you could, if you could just broad brush why this offense is so bad, how, what would you say? The easiest thing to say is just predictability because – for me, if you're going to have uh, issues you, on the offensive line, to scheme around it, you've got to put the other team, the, the defense, on its heels. And when you just first down run an inside zone, like you're going to catch them off guard. Like you're, you, they, they know what's coming, right? Uh, you're not – if they're going to press you, just let your receiver try to beat them. I, I know they're, they don't have a lot of experience, but – you know, let my guy go beat your guy. I, I think a lot of what's what's happened here is there's not a lot of uh, unpredictability, a lot of spontaneity and creativity with the offense. Uh, it, there are certain times when, yes, you need to go to your bell cow and Chris Rodriguez. We, we all agree that. But if you just do it when we all expect it to happen, like you can't – like Eddie Grand could do this in 2019 because he had – a bunch of future pros on that. Like he had an all American and Darian Kennard. Landon Young was playing in that game Sunday against the Bengals, right? Like he had some dudes up front that he could just lean on. You can't do that with this. So you got to get a little unpredictable. And I, I think it's been too easy to, to figure out what this offense is going to do when it's going to do. It. 
Jay, what's your take on the offense? One thing to describe why why it's been so ineffective. I think predictability is huge, but I also think, you know, they get to the line, I think, average of probably eight or nine seconds left. Will never has a chance to check out of anything. We don't use any eye candy. You look at all the best offenses in our league, um, they all – they you know, they – Right now, people line seven, eight up, seven, eight or eight in the box against us. We don't have any way to take anybody out of the box. Uh, we don't spread anybody out. We don't do any eye candy to get the mismatch we want. Um, it just seems like uh, I don't know what they're doing in the huddle until eight or nine seconds left. Um, Will's not able to check out and he doesn't have any time. And I just don't think we're scheming. Uh, around the lack of the talent we have on the offensive line. I mean, they're just not playing well as a unit. So you got to find ways to, to, to be creative, to get people out of the box if you're going to run the ball or to get the mismatches you need and pull pe- people out of the box or what have you. It's just, to me, they're just, they're just lining up doing the same thing. I mean, my wife literally predicts the play um, before almost every snap, offensive snap. I mean, she's probably 80%, which is sad. I mean, I love my wife but she is not a football expert, but she'll call it literally almost every time what he's going to do. And it seems he's calling an, an NFL game and an SEC uh, game, which you can't do that. And that gets to be even more frustrating when you have a 15-play drive and miss a field goal, or you have a 12-play drive and kick a field goal, kick another field goal. So, yeah, I get, I get that. Andy, what's your take? It's obviously, um, and Stoops addressed it. You know, I, I don't know why he's taking so long to address it, but um, the scheme is too complex, and it doesn't look complex to us. Your wife, obviously, Jay, because they can't even get into half the playbook because the kids can't pick up the first half of the playbook, right. and that's that's obvious. You can see that in the speed that we play. I mean, these kids are walking to the line, and that offensive line. They all they, they got stuff running through their head. I mean, they're trying these schemes that are NFL schemes. I was it wasn't this weekend. I, I want to say it was Missouri. We had the nose blocked. Our center has him one on one. All of a sudden, turns him loose and goes to a double team. Comes up the middle of the field and sacks Levis. I'm like, but he was coached to do that double team and not block that man head on. I mean, he had the nose blocked turns him loose, turns and goes to a double team. It's like that just told that, – that play, that one single play told me that this offensive line coach, he's NFL too. You know, I, I'm sure he's great and he, he knows what he's doing. But at some point, they have to done this. They can't make this so complicated. And I said it, I think, after the Tennessee game. Watch their offense. It's not complex. It is run. Run as fast as you can, and here's your route. That is as complex as they get. And I think we're just trying to do way, way, way too much. I mean, we've all coached. I mean, the more you put in a kid's head, the less they're going to play. And I don't care how smart they are. I don't care how gifted they are. The more you make them think, the slower they play. And you can just see it, and you can see it on how we're performing. You know, Levis has got no shot. They're turning people loose. But like Jay said, he gets to the line of scrimmage. He's got no time to adjust. He barely has time to see what they're even doing to him. Yeah, he didn't even – sometimes it seems like he doesn't even see the hot route and know that he can throw behind that hot route. I mean, yeah. it, 
And another thing that does is, is it allows the defense to tee off. When you're running that late into the to the play clock, you can't uh, – I mean, how many offsides have we seen against Kentucky, the opposing defenses? I mean, you can't – you know, I, I made a big deal out of it because I love it that the quarterback's under center some. There's cadence instead of the clapping. And that normally leads to some offsides. I mean, the great quarterbacks do that. And, and Levis has not had time, Nick Roush, to – to draw defenses off sides and they can just uh, get in their stance and, and they know that play clock's coming down to zero and the ball's going to be snapped. And when the defense has any advantage like that, you know, the more disadvantages you give that offensive line that has struggled. How many bunt, how many bunch sets do we run? How many? Oh. <laughs> and what well, are you doing when you, bunt, when you run bunch sets? You just bring it, you're bringing everybody in the box. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, literally, you're bringing everybody in the box. The the thing that too was, is that's that's hard to watch because, I mean, in this league, you can't have six SEC defensive players in the same area. I mean, let's face it, you ain't blocking them. I don't care. Everybody that plays in this league spreads the field except us. I mean, we have one wide receiver and 13 personnel. If I hear the word 13 personnel one more time, I'm going to throw a rock through the television. I, 13 personnel drives me crazy. We have speed on the outside, put some receivers in the ball game. We got a guy with a cannon. Whatever happened to – let's. I mean, simple stuff. Fades on outside. Both receivers run fades. The first guy gets a step on his guy. Guess where I'm going? Stop it. That's all Tennessee's doing. That's all Georgia's doing. They're getting one-on-one matchups, and the quarterback seeing a guy get a step, and that's that's where he goes. I mean, it's not that hard. It's not, and we're we're just complicating it. Plus, we're putting the best defenses in the country inside our box, like yeah. outnumbered. And it's just, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, yeah. I, I well, don't know how much harder you got to make it on yourself. And, and the other thing too is like I know that. You don't have to be a tempo team to win, but the few times that they've put the defense on their heels, it's worked pretty well. Like give Dude, it our try. defenses that we play never get gassed. They're all fresh as daisies because exactly. they get 30 seconds to catch their breath. I mean, go to the gym and work out and try to make yourself work out and change sets every 15 seconds. It's hard. We let these guys rest for 35 and 40 seconds before we snap the ball. What are you going to get? Killed. That's what you're gonna get. That's a good point, Andy. Kentucky. I mean, it's crazy. There's this dude that crunches the numbers. Kentucky's the slowest team in America. Well, yeah. How many? Yeah. Offers? We only had what? Yeah. With the least amount of talent. I mean, let's face it. Offensive stat, uh, snaps. Saturdays Fifty-four. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in years past, I get one to to you know speed the game up um, and take as much time as you possibly can. So we got a running game. We'll just run down your throat. Yeah, you know, but we don't have that anymore. We, we need snaps. I mean, we, we need snaps. We need possessions. Yeah, I, I think we, you know. I said get, this. Jay, we would get we would get sixty snaps in a forty-five minute scrimmage in the spring. Yeah, I mean, think uh, about that. Kentucky's one thirty-one. No TV, but still at a hundred at one point eight eight plays per minute. Air Force uh, triple option team also runs one point eight eight plays per minute. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, Army so, is at 1.98. It takes know, Levis 10 seconds to call the play. Yeah. It's an NFL yeah. system. I, mean, I said about a month ago that I didn't think this offense had an identity, and and, and I think it's still true. Um, 
You know, I think Chris Rodriguez, you know, and, and listen, when, when you lose to Vanderbilt, everything's fair game. I mean, it is. It, the whole team is fair game. But I do think Kentucky had some positives. Uh, Chris, I thought, ran really well. Uh, he, he almost took the team on his back and willed the Cats to win. I thought Utah McLean played well. Andy's clone, uh, Josh Caddis, I think, continues to play really well. It, so there's good things out there. I, I, it's just the inconsistencies offensively that, that's not uh, not giving them – setting them up to the opportunity to win. And, and we talked about this last night. And, Nick, I'll, I'll let you touch on this. When you're looking, full, looking forward, right, you, you look ahead of this offense, if it's not working with the top quarterback in, in the draft, with an all-timer at running back and everything else that we just talked about, How's it going to work when you take Levis out and Chris Rodriguez out? How's this offense looking for the future? Yeah, and that's the that's the scary part of this situation, right? Because a lot of what made Rich Kangarello so attractive is that he could get uh, conceivably a talented quarterback in the transfer portal. Well, you know, is he going to be more talented than Will Levis? It's going to be hard to find somebody out there who's got the tools that Will has. Um, so I – that that's where looking that's where December is going to get crazy, right? Because the future is looking pretty bleak in November and you got to change that before December 21st when the transfer portal opens up and whenever signing day uh, takes place like that, that's when you got to fix your roster. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, we saw what happened. Uh, well, guys, hey, here's, here's two examples of code. Go ahead. So we saw what happened after we had Wandell last year. Look what we got in receivers uh, that came in. And, I, I, I mean, it's going to be a big job to go get the right guy to come in and sling it around. Yeah, it is. Guys, I, Steven's got to head to Indianapolis to for the game tonight. Uh, Thanks for getting on here. I know it's a frustrating day. It was a frustrating game to watch, and uh, and we're all frustrated. But we say this out of love because every one of us love Kentucky. We all bleed blue, and we want to see these kids succeed. And we want to see – I think it's hard to watch, uh, you know, the frustrations from the coaches and the players. For me, it's tough to watch because – I do care for folks in that building. I, I love several people in that building, and I want to see them do good. So I think I hurt right there with them, and I know you all do too. Uh, parting shots, Nick Rouse, how are you going to close this out? I just I, – I've enjoyed this. I appreciate hearing from uh, Andy and Jay, uh, especially Andy, because I know he's been – he's had some <laughs> – some some steam bubbled up, and I get to share it all the time, so I'm glad you all finally got the light of that. So, Andy, Jay, thank you. Thanks. Go off, King. Jay and Andy, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you in a different direction. Uh, towards, let's see, I think it was Jay's senior year and Andy's junior year. 
we beat a top 10 ranked Georgia team. The last team that Vince Dooley, the late great Vince Dooley brought to then Commonwealth Stadium. Now that Georgia team that we beat, what was the final score? 10 to 6? 16 to 10. 16 to 10. I mean, it was something crazy like that. Nick, you weren't even born yet, but but this has happened. Kentucky has, you know, you know, you're talking to three guys that be the top 10 Georgia team. And and talk about Andy and Jay. Talk about how uh, how 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 we pulled that upset off because you guys were out there in it. My only role that that game was a uh, punt return and kickoff return. So I didn't, uh, uh, you know, I was a special teamer. I didn't get to get in there. And my only memory of the game was seeing uh, seeing our safety get knocked out on the sideline. <laughs> Tim Worley. Oh my <laughs> God, Nick! Nick, you've never seen an explosive hit like it was. It almost made me throw up. But Jay and Andy talk about uh, how we pulled that upset and how Kentucky and, and working how Kentucky can do so, and we'll get out of here. Go ahead, Andy. Well, first of all, Tim Worley was in Mark Sellers' defense bigger than anybody on our defense by yeah. a, by a foot and twenty pounds. I mean, the guy was an absolute beast. And they used to have those backs that were just awesome. But I tell you what, won that game that day. Our defense played uh, against that offense that had those backs and held them to 10 points. The offense battled all day. We ran the ball well and, and made some plays when we had to. But you know what? We played with our hair on fire, didn't we, Jay? We played – I mean, I I was so done after that game. We all were, man. We were falling on each other, falling on the field at the end. I mean – we laid it on the line that day, and um, I never seen Coach Claiborne so happy uh, as he was that day. And I, I tell people all the time that might have been uh, for Vince Dooley, that might have been the nail uh, that sealed his fate because he lost to Kentucky, um, and he ended up retiring at the end of that year with that good football team he had. But we played lights out that day, and it wasn't fancy. We just played good football and took it to him. Yeah, I just think about back in that time, and maybe the locker rooms are different just because of all the distractions and NIL and all this stuff. But we just had complete trust uh, offensively, defensively, in each other. Um, and we we knew that we were going to be in every game no matter what. And uh, we had complete faith that the offense was going to step up and score enough points and defensively we had a great game plan. I mean, we did, we, uh, coach Strzok, uh, those guys put together a great, great game plan and we all believed in each other and carried out our responsibilities and, and knew our guy next to us was going to do the same and toe the line. And I just, I don't know that, that belief, uh, the energy that we brought into that, um, and other games like that. Um, I think about the Florida game, my sophomore year, um, it's the same thing. And, and, I, I guess I just don't see that energy uh, and trust right now in this team, in that locker room. Um, obviously, I'm not in there. I don't, I don't get the chance to walk around that locker room on the sideline. Um, but, man, that was, a, that was a beautiful day. And, you know, we just played, as you always talk about, Freddie, complimentary football um, and just trusted each other. That was uh, Nick. There's a picture of Jay Carey and Coach Claiborne off the field. I thought I think it's very sweet. I'd like to find that. And uh, one note from me on that game as a special teamer, uh, I got so nervous, Nick, watching from a sideline. 
I just pounded Gatorade the whole game in water. And I had to pee so bad, and I was over there shaking, but I couldn't go to the locker room until after the game. So as soon as the final horn blew, I sprinted to the locker room, went to the bathroom, then came back out, and all the good celebration was over with. Everybody was walking back in. So uh, <laughs> it was a bad outing by me, but I really had to pee, boys. I have to admit that. Well, guys, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for you all for listening and watching, and we hope you – Tune back in next week and we can talk better because, again, everybody on this podcast loves the Cats, loves Stoops. We we love everything about UK. We we bled on that field. We broke bones on that field. And Andy Murray lost about two knees on that field. So we we say this out of love, man. We say this out of, out of passion. We want to see these kids enjoy have success. And that that's why we critique like we critique. So, Nick, get us out of here. It's been good. It's been great. Thank you for this date. We'll see. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.